Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And good afternoon, Jason Vanderveer here with you on Calvary Live. Appreciate all of you tuning in on Grace FM, Truth FM, and Hope FM. Everybody in the Colorado Front Range in Wyoming, welcome to you. And those of you listening in Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, welcome to all of you as well. And of course, our Hope FM listeners in the Northeast, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, appreciate all of you as well. One number, you just heard it, that you can call in if you want to join me on the air with your Bible question prayer request, uh, whatever it may be, 303-690-3000, If you prefer to text, you can do so, 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. If you do text, do me a favor, uh, give it to me in maybe a short sentence, succinct um uh, sometimes I get a long text and and it's impossible for me to uh, be on the air and actually decipher the text as well. And uh, fortunately for you, this program doesn't have a lot of breaks uh, to read those texts as well. So uh, if you can do that, if you're going to text them in, just uh, give me your prayer request or your question in about a sentence, a short sentence if you can, and uh, we'll answer it on the air if we, we have time for those also. So you can call in. That is preferred, 303 303- 690-3000. I'd love to hear your voice, uh, talk to you, find out exactly uh, why it is uh, that you have the question that you have and, and do our best to answer that for you. 303-690-3000 or if you'd like to text 720-336-0897. I'm Jason Vanderveer. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado, suburb of Denver. For those of you in other states not familiar with uh, Parker and where that's at, uh, we're just a, a suburb uh, in the Denver metro area. And if you do live in the Denver metro area, encourage you to join us. You can join us as soon as tonight, 7 p.m. at Calvary Chapel for our midweek service continuing in the book of Joshua, chapter 6, of course, the fall of Jericho, the beginning of the conquest of the land of Canaan. And it's going to be an exciting study. I've been so excited uh, for for Joshua for the upcoming study in Joshua. And now that we're into it and really getting into it, I'm I'm very excited for tonight. Uh, we'll we'll get into some keys to to the early success of the nation of Israel in terms of their conquest. We'll also archaeologically get into uh, Jericho. Many many excavations have been done there, and uh, we'll talk about archaeology in the Bible and specifically uh, what has been discovered at Jericho and how that relates to the biblical account of the fall of Jericho. So you won't want to miss that tonight. Children's ministry, youth ministry, all available this evening, 7 p.m. You can get directions, calvarychapelparker.com, calvarychapelparker.com if you want to join us uh, there. If you're not available to do so, you can join us on Sunday morning. We'll be continuing in Genesis chapter 39. We'll be looking at Joseph's 
early years in Egypt uh, on Sunday morning. And then if you're already making plans, uh, we are, uh, you probably should start here at some point for Easter. Uh, We've got uh, Good Friday service on March 30. Uh, That's at noon service and communion for you. And then Easter service on April 1, 10 a.m. You can go to calvarychapelparker.com and get all of the information about that. Again, if you're in the Parker, Colorado, come and join us. If you're not, just go to uh, calvarychapelparker.com. We've got messages through the entire Bible for you there to listen to or watch. Better yet, join me uh, on the program here with your question uh, or uh, your prayer request. As I said, 303-690-3000 or 720-336-0897 if you want to text your your question in. And like, like I was mentioning before, if you are going to text it in, uh, do me a favor and just uh, keep it to about a one short sentence so I can digest it and uh, and give you an answer or pray for you on the air here. I'd love to hear from you. And we always get so many uh, great calls and so many great texts. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, that's what makes this program so so amazing. That That's what makes it unique. Um, and uh, uh, that's what... What really I enjoy about it is just interacting with you on a spontaneous, impromptu basis, hearing your questions, talking to you. Hey, it looks like we've got uh, a, a text here uh, from Grace in Denver, and she has a question, uh, the difference between the rapture and the second coming. And, uh, you know, that's a, a question that sometimes people aren't even aware that there is a difference, uh, Grace, between the rapture and the second coming. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can put that. You, you can treat them as two distinct things, or you can treat the coming of Christ in uh, as something that has two different phases. Either way really works. It's just kind of a, uh, a matter of, of semantics and how you want to put it. But we understand in, in 1 Thessalonians uh, that the Lord is going to return for uh, the church. In, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 16 there, uh, we, we see the rapture of the church. And it says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall uh, be caught up together with them, verse 17, to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That word there in the English caught up uh, in Latin, it's rapturos, and that's where the English word that we have transliterated, somewhat transliterated, rapture, uh, comes from. And so that's from the Latin translation there, uh, harpazo in the Greek. And uh, so First Thessalonians 14 is kind of the key passage on the rapture. And what we notice there is, is that the Lord himself will descend uh, and the dead in Christ will rise and we will meet him in the clouds. So he doesn't actually return to earth at the rapture of the church. He returns in the air and we're caught up to meet with him. 
However, uh, we understand that Jesus Christ at the close of the Great Tribulation uh, is going to set foot on the Mount of Olives and that it is going to split in two, Zechariah 14.4. In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives which faces Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west making a very large valley. And we understand that at the close of the Tribulation Jesus Christ is going to return and actually set foot on earth uh, he will there will be the judgment of the sheep and the goats as Jesus talks about in Matthew there and then he will rule and reign from Zion uh, throughout the millennial uh, throughout his, his uh, the thousand years known as the millennial reign of Christ and so um, the the key distinctions getting back to the original question from grace there the key distinctions between the rapture uh, and the second coming uh, are the type where he comes to uh, the events surrounding it and the timing the rapture takes place prior to the great tribulation we believe the second coming at the close of that seven year period of the tribulation the rapture jesus christ returns and we meet him in the air the second coming he returns and sets foot uh, on the earth so i hope that uh, clears it up for you if you have any follow-up questions just make sure to give us a, a, a call or text us uh, grace and folks if you uh, want to call us 303-690-3000 let's go to laquince in Denver, and uh, LaQuince, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for giving me a call. You're welcome. What's on your mind today? So I was just asking a question about how uh, if you remember any close family members once you go up to heaven. Say that one more time. Uh, if you remember any close family members when you go up to heaven. Yeah, you know, here's the way I like to put it, LaQuince. Uh, you know, we won't. I tell people we won't be less smart in heaven than we are on earth, and so we're not going to be forgetful. Uh, and and we certainly, I believe, the scripture tells us that we will know uh, those loved ones who have passed away, parents. Uh, grandparents, close friends, even acquaintances. The Bible says that uh, that we are going to uh, know uh, as we are known. And what's very interesting is is that uh, when we when we look in the scriptures, we see uh, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when he, when when he he was transformed uh, before Peter and John and 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 where he was radiating, where he was glowing before them. And, and and he appeared talking to Moses and Elijah. And it says that those apostles recognized, even though they had died, uh, he recognized, they recognized Moses and Elijah. We see that people, even after Jesus Christ was resurrected, uh, were uh, that he was recognized uh, by by others as well, and so he, in fact, in, in John describes him uh, in the book of Revelation, still bearing the marks of the crucifixion as a as a lamb that was slain. And so uh, I believe that people will have a very similar appearance, so they will be recognizable, but uh, but in their glorified state, and and we will know them. Okay. Is that- does that make sense to you? Is there? Is there? A, a, are you asking? Did I? Did I understand for a, a family member, your mom or somebody, or, or? No, I was just asking to understand. Just trying to understand a little bit. So, what got you thinking about that? Uh, so me and my mom were just talking one day, and I came up to her, and then we were 
just uh, talking about it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a. It, it, I, I I'm excited that that you're thinking about heaven because the best way to live on earth is to be to be mindful of heaven. And uh, the the verse I was quoting for you, if you want to go look it up after we're done talking, in First okay. Corinthians, in First Corinthians uh, chapter thirteen, verse twelve, the apostle Paul says, "Now we see see in a mirror dimly." You see, back then their mirrors weren't like the mirror you have in your bathroom. Uh, they couldn't see perfectly in a mirror. It was a shined piece of of metal typically, and so they they didn't have a really good reflection. He says, "So now we see dimly as in a mirror, but then face to face." He says, "Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known." And what that passage says to me is a lot of things. It says it says that that while our knowledge on earth is limited. Uh, particularly spiritually, that in heaven I'm going to know just as as I am known and as God knows me. And so uh, we're not going to know less. We're going to know and understand far more. I believe in, encompassed in that is is the understanding of people and 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 also why some of the things were the way that they were down here on earth. Okay. Okay, my friend. Hey, I appreciate uh, appreciate you calling in, LaQuince. Thank you. God bless you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye bye. Hey, folks. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Great question there from LaQuince. Let's go to Davis in Denver. Davis, welcome to the program. <laughs> um, it's actually David. Like Shepherd. David. Yeah, David. <laughs> that's that's yeah, my David, that's yeah. that's my uh, my middle name. So uh, all right. Well, well can you call back? And we'll, no, I'm <laughs> welcome, David. <laughs> um, I, I I just I recently watched the movie The Shack. Yeah. And um it was actually I, I really enjoyed the movie. But mm-hmm. then I heard a uh I heard a sermon on Grace FM a little while after and um and I don't know which pastor it was, but he, he had some objections against it and I was wondering um he didn't go into the specifics of what his objections were, but I was wondering mm-hmm. what what might he be what what could I mean, have you seen the movie? Uh, I've read the book. I have not seen the movie. Oh, okay. And so I'm very, I'm very familiar with it. Actually, if you go online, uh, just type in after we're done. In fact, if you go online um, and type in uh, my name, J A S O N, and then Vandiver, V A N space D I V I E R, and the Shack, you'll find a review online that I wrote several years ago about it. So. Oh, nothing. Yeah, but I'll I'll give you kind of the the pricey the 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 short version the the radio version here. Uh, you can go online and and read the longer version uh, and 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 what the issues really are with with uh, the shack. Um, the the book as I or the movie as I understand fairly closely follows the book. Uh, I think that they obviously as they usually do in movies uh cut out quite a bit but i think the 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 gist mm-hmm. is is basically the same um of course we're talking about uh, the for those not familiar the the book and the movie the movie just came out last year the book came out about uh oh what was it uh 2008 i think uh, was when the when the when the book was uh, very popular, so um, William Paul Young is is the author of the Shack. I I w- I tell people that that I understand uh, their fascination or interest in the book. Uh, however, sometimes I I believe that they miss the deception uh, that is there, and and 
and uh, frankly, I, I have a lot of issues uh, with with uh, the book, uh, the the shack. Um, you know, I think that there's a few different things that that resonate with people in the shack. Um, I think some have an emotional response to it. Um, I think some get attached to the characters and the the storyline, and sometimes uh, discernment can be suspended in that. Um, and you know, I think others. Uh, connect with the backstory of abuse and and uh, psychological deliverance and so forth, and and then I think other some people are just uh, unfortunately sometimes victims of pulpits that neglect the teaching of the Word of God, and so they don't spot things uh, readily in the shack uh, or some other novels. Um, it, it really the shack I think. Uh, fits into kind of the emerging church philosophy uh, that, and I don't have time to get into all of that, but some of the things that I'm talking about will dovetail with that, and 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 really an attempt to change the truth uh, of the gospel and and God's word. And so a lot of people say, well, what's the big deal? You know, it's just fiction. And and what I tell people is it's fiction with with a purpose, a distinct purpose. It's it's to affect how you see and how you re- relate to God. Um, there's a thing called the Missy Project. A uh, Missy, as of course you remember, is 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 the the fictional daughter in the shack who's murdered, right? And uh, so mm-hmm. in, in, the Missy Project developed out of the shack, and uh, and. In the back of the book, actually, we read that it offers one of the most poignant views of God and how he relates to humanity that has been written in our time. That was one of the praises of the shack, a magnificent glimpse into the nature of God and and, and that is often not presented in our culture. So I would take issue with that, but what I would also point out to people is it's in that quote, we see that it's more than, than just fiction. It, it, it's fiction with a purpose. Now, now let me kind of get to briefly uh, some of the issues that that uh, that that I would take with the shack, uh, I don't believe that they're carefully hidden. Uh, I believe that they're overt. I believe that they're frequent. Uh, I don't believe that it's just one or two little things here and there. Um, they kind of fall into a, a, a few different categories. There's a, a mischaracterization, mischaracterization of the nature of God. Um, there's also, I believe, an aberration of the character of God, and then. There's a, a a watering down of the the authority of God and and an undermining undermining and and denying of the Word of God and then uh, William Paul Young is very clearly a universalist which means he believes that that all roads lead to God and it and it comes out and if you if you've had a chance to hear him speak he's spoken locally here before and and uh, some of his other interviews and things like that are online he he has this idea that all roads lead to God that everything's just going to kind of work out and everybody's going to be saved and unfortunately it comes out in his story and um, so then there's you know what goes with that is is a lack of recognition recognition of sin um, and elimination of you know then subsequently a need for repentance he denies the judgment and and then begins to kind of just psychologize the faith and and then there's you know just kind of a general irreverence in the book I don't know if it carried over into the movie but but just kind of a general irreverence in terms of the rela- relationship within the Godhead and between the different characters uh, in the book also there's a very great disdain for the church um, and and really overall just a, I would say a failure to understand what it means to have a relationship with God. So those are generally the the things mm-hmm. um, I've made some statements. What I do in the review is then I go piece by piece and document 
page number and quotations for every one of those assertions rather than just saying a bunch of things and you know saying take my word for it I I spent uh, a lot of time kind of going through and documenting page by page of these different uh, different items I see yeah okay. Um, um, so, okay so I'll go ahead and Google search your your review I I, I know that it's the reason I don't understand um, the differences is probably because I'm not studying enough. And, you know, I, I, I get into my Bible, and I, I'm trying to, um, to study more often. And um, well, I don't... feel like this is a good season to, to get in there. But I just, I just, I, I really couldn't understand it. And I think, you're, yeah. I think you're right in terms of the psychological, mm, um, yeah. how, how we can relate in that, because that's really what struck me, too. But... Yeah, um, you know, don't. Yeah. Uh, here's how I would say this: don't don't take my comments uh, um, personally uh, as an attack. Take them as an opportunity, and and I sense that you you are as as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I am going to get into the Word, and I am going to to uh, develop, allow the Holy Spirit to develop in me some additional discernment. Um, here here's my encouragement to you, David: is, is to you know, not everything in, in, and 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 you realize this, but I, I'm just encouraging you in, in something you probably already know. Not everything that that is Christian is is Christian, and not everything that that is is um, under supposedly the banner uh, of Christianity is 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 truly that and is going to build you up. And and unfortunately, there are all sorts of books in bookstores and online that are supposedly Christian. There are movies that come out and and even praised by a lot of people. And and that's where it becomes important for you and I and and everybody else listening to to have discernment. And you know, as we grow in our Christian life, we come to that place uh, where we start recognizing the importance of that and desiring that God would develop that. In us, I don't mean that each of us should become hypercritical. Um, that's exactly what I don't want to happen. Um, but the Bible does uh, encourage us to to exercise uh, discernment and to have that gift. And and now more than ever, that that that's uh, uh, important in the church. Um, I will tell you this, uh, David. If for some reason, and I know this review has has been floating around out there for for several years, we we actually put it out in two thousand eight, and and you you may I still see it pop up every once in a while. Uh, if for some reason you can't find it uh, out there, just uh, I'm going to give you the email for our church. Uh, just email our church and. Um, and and let us know that uh, that you were looking for that, or if you'd rather just do it that way, just email our church, and uh, I'll email you a PDF copy of it. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, so it's Parker at CalvaryChapel dot com. So if you just email us at Parker at CalvaryChapel dot com, and uh, just say, hey, I wanted the review. I was interested in the review on the shack. Uh, we'll send you out a, P- a PDF of that uh, that review that you know you can sit down and read through, and then you know if you if you're looking at that and and you have some questions about it, let let us know. I'd be happy to uh, to answer any additional questions that you have. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks for your comments and information. Yeah, you bet. And uh, I appreciate you calling in. And I just want to encourage you. You know that that. Uh, um, you know, you don't have to be at the finish line. We're not at the finish line yet, and so uh, it, uh, don't don't uh, don't beat yourself up on on what you're not. Uh, just go to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to make Him make you what what He wants you to be. Okay. God bless you, David. All right. 
Take care. Thank you. See you, my friend. Yep. 303-690-3000. Jason Vanderveer here on Calvary Live. Let's go to John in Highlands Ranch. John, welcome to the program. Hello, John. Are you there? Did we? We might have lost John. Did we lose John? John, if you're uh, listening, give us a call back, 303-690-3000. Let's go to George. 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 Do we have have George? Hello, is this George? Yes. How you doing, George? Jason? Doing well. Welcome. You're pretty winded. That, uh, it's probably why uh, John uh, hung up on you. <laughs> but uh, hey, I'm driving home, and uh, just uh, uh, a couple calls back. I think it was the text call where the person wanted to explain the difference between the rapture and the uh, yep. second coming. Yep. It brought a question to my mind, and uh-huh. uh, I mean, I've been a Christian for a while, but it just kind of uh, maybe put you on the spot and explain. Okay, you said that in the second coming that uh, the Jesus, when he comes, and, and, and the dead are going to be caught up with him, correct? Mm-hmm. And we who no, are alive that, uh, and remaining will, mm-hmm. will meet him in the clouds or in the air, correct? Right, right. Okay, but what about the scripture that says, is it appointed unto men once to die, and after this, or, th- or after death, the judgment? Mm-hmm. What happens? We, don't, we just didn't die. We just got caught up in the air. How do you explain, how do you explain to just the naive people or people that just don't take things by faith that it'll work out. What, what was your what is your take on that? Yeah, I think that that's a reasonable question. So, of course, we're talking about the rapture in First Thessalonians four sixteen and seventeen, yeah. Um, yeah. and the the uh, those who are alive at the time of the rapture are going to be caught up. They're not going to die. Uh, they're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The dead in Christ rise first. That is their bodies. That's the beginning uh, of the resurrection. Their spirit. Uh, Paul says in Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. James us, tells us that when the spirit leaves the body, that that is death. Uh-huh. So, so very clearly, some have died, and the resurrection begins. But some will not die. We see that that there are many general rules in Scripture. Uh, Hebrews yeah. nine twenty seven. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. That's a general yeah. principle. But it yeah. clear, very yeah. clearly from First Thessalonians doesn't mean that every single person is going to die. Nor has every single person uh, always died. Uh, I think of of Elijah first of all. And Elijah Enoch. and Enoch. And, and he walked with God and he was not. So so you have two individuals in the Old Testament that actually are yeah. a picture and a type of the rapture who didn't die. So what we see in the Bible in Hebrews 9.27 is a general principle, uh, yeah, but it okay. doesn't mean that every, every person has to therefore uh, die. Certainly it does exclude yeah. the exceptions, which be those who are raptured. Okay, do, does Enoch and Elijah have to come back to die, do you think? Uh, no, no, not necessarily. Although, uh, if you believe, like some do, that uh, uh-huh. that they that one or both of them are the two witnesses of the Book of Revelation, yeah, uh-huh. uh, we know those two witnesses actually do die, uh, and then are brought back actually by the Lord. They're raised up there, and uh, but I I personally believe that that if we do know who those two witnesses are uh, in in uh, Revelation, there that it. Per- Perhaps uh, are Moses and uh, Elijah, not necessarily Moses and uh, and and Enoch. Of course, I'm talking yeah. about uh, Revelation. For those who want to read, a Revelation yeah. chapter 11 is, sure. is is where I'm talking. But um, I don't believe that they have to come back and die. But it's quite possible if they are the two witnesses yeah. that they that they will come back and die. Yeah, I asked another brother that he goes, "No, 
they don't have to come back. And, and yeah. I, I believe that they do, according to the Scripture, where the point of man wants to die. But then when, when you explain what you said, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not in every case. Everything has got its perspective in order, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. so it's all good. I have no problem with that. Excellent. I'm not Listen, confused. I, I'm not confused. <laughs> well, that it's always a blessing when someone calls and they're not more confused after talking to me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there to uh, elaborate more on people who might have that as a problem and say, "No, how, how's this? I'm confused now. You have to die or you don't die." But all I know is <clears throat> it's all good, and he has the the big picture is the big picture, and it's not going to change. Some people aren't going to die, and uh, and maybe we are uh, included in that uh, company if if this is the uh, the age of the rapture. I think uh, it, it probably uh-huh. is. Hey, I've got to run here, uh, George. Oh, I appreciate appreciate your call. Right. Thank God you bless bye. you, Brent. Yep. Hey, folks, uh, 303-690-3000. That's the number to call if you want to join me here on Calvary Live. No matter if you're listening in Colorado, Wyoming, Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, 303-690-3000. Jason Vanderveer here with you on Calvary Live. Uh, we got a break coming up right here, but we'll be taking more of your calls, questions, comments, prayer requests right after this. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome back. Jason Vanderveer, pastor of Calvary Chapel Parker here with you this afternoon, Calvary Live. Let's uh, go. We've got some callers who have been waiting patiently, so let's uh, get to them right away. Let's go to Dustin in Baltimore. Dustin, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. How's everything? It's all going good. How are you? No, not too bad, not too bad. It, it kind of snowed out here the other day, but it's kind of uh, drying up right now, so it's pretty good. Are you guys supposed to get any part of that nor'easter that's going through, or is that all above you? What's that? Are you supposed to get any part of that nor'easter that's coming through, or is that all above you? That noise you said? I said nor'easter. Oh, nor'easter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I don't know. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, I think it's maybe more up toward New York. So maybe you'll uh, be sitting in 70-degree sunshine while they're getting buried. Exactly. <laughs> of course, we have some folks up there. Prayers for you guys. I hope you're not actually getting 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 buried. Hey, uh, what's on your mind? Um, yeah, on uh, Genesis six, where it says, "The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them as wives, all which they chose." Now, is he talking about the fallen angels, or is he actually talking about men? Yeah, so in in chapter six, there uh, of course the the subject of the of the Nephilim, and right. uh, what he's talking about in in uh, verse uh, like verse four there of chapter six, he talk he's talking about the union of the daughters of men and and demons producing a super race. Um, so the word uh, Nephilim comes from that's the the Hebrew word of course for giants in that verse. It can mean a couple of things. I will tell you, it can mean giants or it can mean fallen ones. Sometimes you'll see it translated uh, that way as well. Um, however, what I would say about that passage is is that 
uh, there are some very interesting things. Um, you know, how do we interpret it? Who, who? If you go back to verse two, uh, where it talks about uh, uh, the sons of God, that's really where you've got to kind of figure this passage out. Who are the sons of God? And of course, yeah, yeah. Because go ahead. Um, the angels. I mean, he never called his angels sons. Were the sons and daughters of of God, not angels. And even if they were. The sons of God, like uh, the ones up in heaven, these are fallen angels, so why would he even call them sons, much less uh, yeah, that, them being angels? Actually, actually, that's not true. He, uh, the angels are referred to in Job twice as the sons of God, Satan among them after his fall. And so uh, I've, I, I believe, personally, of the two options, you, you can say the sons of God, are the, some say they're the descendants of Seth, um, and that the daughters of men are the descendants of Cain, and that there's a whole theory that goes along with that. And so they're, right. they say they're talking about ungodly human marriages. The problem is, is human marriages don't typically produce giants, and and that seems to be the context of, of this passage. Um, and also, uh, there, there's a lot of other interesting factors um, that that give some uh, real problems for for that uh, uh, that sort of interpretation. I think that the second option, that, that they're demonic uh, fallen angels, demonic beings who are uh, coming and, and procreating with human beings, uh, really fits best the context and the result of the passage. As I said, the son of God, sons of God, uh, if you look at Job 1, 6 and 2, 1, refers to fallen angels, including Satan. And uh, then if you look at Second Peter uh, chapter 2, um, verses 4 and 5 there, you see that, that God cast down fallen angels and imprisoned some of them uh, in a place known as Tartarus, and this seems to be tied uh, to Noah's time and perhaps this event. Jude also talks about the same thing in verses 6 and 7 of the one, the one chapter that makes up that book, and he also speaks uh, uh, of the incarceration and judgment of these fallen angels and their immorality. So I think the, the, the total of Scripture really lends itself to, um, to, to that uh, sort of understanding. The one objection some people make about that interpretation is that they argue that that angels are incapable of of sexual relations, and they. That's what they, I was going to ask the yeah, next question. But the yeah, the Bible never says that. They argue from Matthew twenty two thirty, uh, where Jesus says that in heaven people are like the angels; they're neither married nor are given in marriage. But what Jesus doesn't say is that angels are are capable of sexual relations, particularly uh, I would suggest in uh, in possession. So in the form of demonic possession, yeah, of course, angels don't marry, uh, but at, at, especially in the Old Testament, at times they took on human form. Uh, I believe that, that perhaps these demons took on human form or possessed humans and, and then uh, procreated with women, uh, producing those giants in verse 4, the Nephilim. And, and another thing, after mm. Noah's flood, how is it that uh, there was giants after that, you know? I mean, I thought they were all wiped out in the uh, the flood. 
they they are wiped out in the flood. It doesn't mean that they're descendants of these giants. They're just men of old, men of renown, people who genetically uh, were were of great size. We don't know if they were the same size, if they were shorter or taller, what exactly they were. We do know that that they would have these uh, would have been wiped out and actually were a main precursor uh, to the flood. So uh, I wouldn't say that there has to be any connection uh, between, say, the Anakim uh, in the Old Testament and the Nephilim. The Anakim, of or, course, or late... the Canaanites. Yeah, the Anakim. The Canaanites. Yeah, yep, the Anakim are Canaanites, exactly. Oh, oh okay, yep. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm sorry. No, no, you're, you're fine. You're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's all I just wanted to know. Uh, one, more, one more question. Um, sure. With Cain, when he was cursed by God and said that if he goes into any city and if anybody would harm him, he would uh, curse them, um, how is it that if Cain and Abel were the two first people, how is there a city of people um, that, that he would actually arrive in a city? In other words, would it be because they lived two, three, five, six hundred years uh, in those mm-hmm. days, and that that yep. it was probably around four or five hundred years at when he killed his brother, and then that's when the population built up. Is that is that probably yeah? Correct? You're you're exactly uh, you're exactly correct with that. And so you know what we understand is so there's there's Cain, there's Abel, there's Seth. Uh, and there uh, are very clearly uh, other children that they would have been intermarrying with at that point in time. Of course, a gene pool uh, not being uh, corrupted to the point where marrying a close relative would be an issue like it was today, nor was there the prohibition at that time uh, against marrying a close relative. So there would have been much of that. And and very quickly on, uh, man would have populated the earth, at least that that portion of the earth where he he typically was confined to at that time very quickly uh, and actually by the time of the flood there would have been several million people on earth so you're exactly right these people were living several hundred years uh, Methuselah lived 969 years uh, the right. you know and and his uh, death brought the flood came at, at the time of his death so uh, if you go to I'll give you a recommendation there's a good article that I've read uh, on um, the population of the earth at the time of the flood on Answers in Genesis. If you go to their site and just search for it, uh, you can you, answersingenesis.org and check it out. They've got some great articles both on the, uh, uh, the population of the earth and populating the earth from Adam through Cain and his descendants and Abel, or not Abel, but uh, Seth, and then uh, also the population at the time of the flood. I think you'll find it interesting how mathematically and uh, and scientifically, uh, man could have reproduced very quickly to the point where there would have been people that, while they were related to Cain, um, you know, at least at some point, they were practically much like us and very distant descendants um, or very distant from them, uh, as we are with people around the world today. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Pastor. You have a very blessed day, and thank hey, you for uh, your answer. You bet. Appreciate you calling in, Dustin. God bless you. God bless you. Take care. Hey, folks, if you want to join me, 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live. Jason Vandeveer here with you. Let's go to Steve in Longmont, Colorado. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Pastor Jason. How you doing? uh, I've been a... 
I've been a workaholic pretty much my whole life and uh, recently left my current job to find a different job that, uh, you know, I thought was more uh, in line with. And uh, I'm in the same situation where I'm back to just being a workaholic again. Mm-hmm. And my wife is a little frustrated with me because she says that I, I don't have enough faith to leave the field that I'm currently in to go find something different that might be more suited towards the family. And uh, the tough thing is, you know, with uh, three teenagers and trying to feed them, clothe them, and save for college, you know, uh, I, I just keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, so I guess the question would be, uh, is, is my workaholism, is that a sin? Uh, do I lack faith in believing that God will provide for my children? Uh, do I need to be working as hard as I do in order to save, try to save for college uh, tuition and stuff? Yeah, well, let's talk about it, Steve. Uh, you bring up a lot of very interesting points. Uh, I think a lot of people can probably relate to your situation. Um, the Bible. Let's let's talk a little bit about. You know, first of all, is it a problem to be a, a workaholic? In in First Corinthians six, and I think later in chapter ten, uh, Paul Paul says the same thing. He says, "All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any." I think that there can be an addiction to work, just as there can be an addiction to drugs and alcohol there can be an addiction to uh, to other um, destructive behaviors and I think being a, a workaholic is is a destructive uh, behavior and 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 the Bible just encourages us to uh, you know to work with our hands uh, but also to to get our rest and and it encourages us to have faith as well I like what the prophet Haggai says he says in chapter 1 verse 6 he says you've sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. And that's because um, they were working and, and building up their own lives while at that time, you know, the house of the Lord was in disrepair. So in other words, they were they were focusing on just work, 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 work and but uh, and and for themselves, but neglecting the Lord and their relationship with the Lord, and actually it didn't work out so well. L- what I have discovered is this: I have uh, four children. Uh, one has uh, graduated and is now out in the work- graduated from college is out in the workforce. I have uh, two that are juniors in college, and I have one that's a freshman in in college. And uh, you probably have looked at the price uh, of a college education uh, today. And, uh, you know, you've heard all the advice, you know, put money in your 401k, your 503b, whatever the case may be, make sure you're saving up. And I don't have a problem with with working and and saving up. But but many years ago, you know, I was in the ministry then and, 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 you know, it was just a challenge to, to, feed and clothe my children every month saving up for college was uh was you know just 
uh, unrealistic for me. You know, we were just able barely to on a on uh, our salary in, in ministry to be able to take care of our family. And so, but you know, here we are in college, and the Lord got our first one. He just provided, and now he's providing for, for our other children as well. And so I would say that, that if you have the ability and, and if you, you can live very frugally and, and even then you, you still have the ability to save for college, great. But if not, you know, you can trust the Lord and he's going to take care of that's part of his plan. He's going to take care of it. Um, but also, conversely, you can go out and you can work and, and, and burn the midnight oil and, 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 and at the same time, neglect your relationship with the Lord, neglect ministry, neglect your family, and at the end of it, not have any more because you're working to put money in a, in a pocket that has holes in it. And so I, I think what your wife brought up about faith is something very important, that at the end of the day, we work hard, we, but we have to trust the Lord, we have to have faith, and we have to have priorities. And, and in life, my priorities are my relationship with the Lord, my family as my ministry, and then my ministry that God calls me to in, in my church, and then my work, a distant fourth. And God expects me to be able to do all of those, and God will enable me to be able to do all of those. But when I get my priorities out of line and I move everything, uh, work above everything else, uh, then my relationship with the Lord suffers, uh, my relationship with my family suffers, I have no ministry uh, in the church, and so the church suffers, uh, other people in the church suffer because I'm either absent or not uh, doing the things that God has called me to do. So my encouragement to you is is to, you know, to, to take a step back, take an inventory, pray, seek the Lord. If he has a different job for you with different hours where you can Place a priority on your relationship with the Lord. Place a priority on your family and begin serving the Lord as he calls you to do. Uh, then, then that is what God desires for you, and he'll show you exactly how to do that. Well, Pastor, can you pray for me? I can pray for you, definitely. Let's pray now. Father, I thank you so much for Steve. I thank you for his call. I, I thank you, Lord, that very clearly you're speaking to his heart. And Lord, I just pray that, that, uh, that you would come to him. Lord, even in the night hours, Lord, as his, uh, he's resting his head on his pillow there, Lord, and, and, and you're speaking, or in, uh, when he's listening to your word being taught on the radio or from the pulpit, Lord, uh, or the people that you bring into his life, his main encourager and helpmate, his wife, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, put the words in, in people's mouths and, and in his own mind and heart, uh, this is the way, walk in it. And just just speak to him, as you say in your word, behind his right ear and his left ear, telling him exactly what you want him to do, telling him where you want him to work, telling him how to schedule his time, and 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 what specifically, uh, Lord, you you would have him to do, and and how you would have him to to arrange his life that he can bring you the most glory and and be the greatest blessing. And so, Lord, I just pray by your Spirit, you give him the strength. I just uh, help him to completely trust in you, and 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 to know that. Uh, uh, that you will provide what we need today. Uh, Lord, you will give us our, our daily bread and sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And, and Lord, we don't need to build bigger barns and store up and save up. Lord, you, you'll provide. We just need to seek you and serve you and do what you call us to do today. So bless Steve, encourage him, direct him, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You betcha. God bless you. Give us a call back as you're as you're you know listening to the Lord on this and and He's directing you. Let us know how things are going. If there follow up things we can encourage you with. Thanks. Take care. Let's go to Bianca 
in Aurora. Bianca, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I haven't spoken to you in a while. How are you? <laughs> good? I'm pretty... Well, I'm not going to say good or bad because it's kind of the nature of my prayer request. Okay. I am just struggling in an area of my life. I don't want to mention it on the air because I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm asking for something, but Mm -hmm. I just need some prayer because... I have this season in my life where I'm doing good, and then I'm doing not so good, and then I'm just having a hard time like now, so Mm. I just need the Lord to just give me His peace, or I don't know how to go about this, that He would just be my everything for me as I'm really struggling right now. Yeah, as you spoke, I was thinking of the words of uh, of the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 24 and 25, where, where he just says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then I love what he says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, he's he's the answer. He's the one who, when we see ourselves for what we really are, um, he's the one who will deliver us. Can I pray for you, Bianca? Yeah, I've just been struggling. I think you've got it pretty well on. I've just been in the flesh a lot, and sometimes I have done things I really shouldn't be doing, and... Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Father, I just lift up Bianca to you, and I just thank you for her call. It's great to hear her voice uh, once again. And, and Lord, I, I thank you that she loves you. She's walking with you. She knows you deeply, Lord, and is growing in you, Lord. But she's in this season that that uh, uh, that we all seem to find ourselves in from time to time, uh, prone to sin, prone to wander, Lord. We we feel it prone to leave the God that we love. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, restore her afresh, renew her in her inner man. Lord, that, that you would deliver her uh, and give her victory over the flesh and this body of sin and death through your Son, Jesus Christ. We just thank you for his death on the cross. We thank you for the Spirit that you uh, have given us as a guarantee of our inheritance uh, in glory with you you and we thank you that by that same spirit we can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh and so lord i just pray uh, that that you would give her victory uh, over the things that she's struggling with that that uh, she would uh, see dramatic progress and evidence uh, uh, of you working in her life transforming and renewing from glory to glory and so lord i just pray you be with bianca and bless her i thank you for her in jesus name we pray Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. You betcha. Appreciate you calling in. Good to hear from you. 
Hey folks, you're listening to Calvary Live. Jason Vandeveer here with you. 303-690-3000 if you want to join me on the air here. Uh, some good text questions that came in. Uh, one says, uh, what does the Bible say about children who pass away before they are at an age to believe? Uh, sometimes called the age of accountability. The key passage uh, that some uh, or people typically refer to is in 2 Samuel 12. Uh, and of course, that's where David has sinned with Bathsheba. She gives birth to a child, and then the child dies. And David says in verse 23 of 2 Samuel 12, he says, He is dead. Uh, why should I fast? He had been fasting morning. He stopped doing that. He says, Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So we see in, in the inspired scripture that David was very clearly of the impression uh, that this child was with the Lord, that he would one day see him. Uh, goes back to our first question uh, from LaQuince, uh, our, our first caller who asked about recognizing people and seeing people in heaven. David said, I'll see him, uh, but he's in heaven, but he's not going to come back here. I'll see him there. So what we believe is, is that children before, uh, from that passage, before they get to um, uh, the point where they can choose Christ, where they can understand the gospel and, and choose whether they're going to respond, uh, that, uh, uh, that the Lord, if the Lord chooses to take them, uh, that they go, uh, they go to be with the Lord. And very clearly, uh, 2 Samuel 12, 23 backs that, uh, that view up. 303-690-3000. We've got time for another call or two if you join me uh, on the program here. And uh, in the meantime, I can probably take uh, another text question here. Let's uh, see what else uh, we have in, in the way of uh, text questions uh, for us here. We also have uh, another text question here that says, uh, is smoking a sin? And uh, I, I would say this, uh, we kind of, uh, when I was talking to Steve, we, we addressed this a little bit, um, but uh, not, uh, not thoroughly. So let's kind of take, you know, our life and, and, some, and sin and some of the things that the Bible ne doesn't necessarily address. We were talking about being a workaholic, now talking about smoking. I think that there are principles that, that apply to smoking. Um, first off, the Bible commands us not to allow our bodies to become mastered by anything, as I as I quoted to Steve there from First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve. Uh, everything, all things are lawful, not all things are profitable. I, I won't be brought into the power or mastered by uh, by anything. And so, um, smoking is is undeniably uh, uh, addictive. And uh, what's interesting, I didn't really talk about this with Steve, but but later on in First Corinthians chapter six. We're, we're told that, uh, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In uh, verses 19 and, and uh, then continuing into verse 20. And so uh, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so there are a couple of things to consider with smoking. Number one, it's addictive. Number two, uh, you know, we're not honoring the fact that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when we're destroying that body. And, and obviously smoking, if you do it, long enough is is going to harm you and eventually is going to kill you or cut your life short.
short. So uh, I would say that 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 from that perspective, um, smoking is a sin. It's 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 a problem. It's something that you can become addictive to, and and addictions uh, are sins. It's something that destroys the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you are, and that you're not your own. You're a steward uh, of what God has given you. And my perspective is, if God takes me early, then He takes me early. But I don't want to do anything that shortens uh, my time here and my ability to preach the gospel and to love and to take care of my family and others and to worship the Lord. I don't want to do anything uh, to dishonor the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, which uh, I am and which every believer is. And so uh, a lot of people argue, you know, against that. They say, well, people eat unhealthy foods. Well, I would say that if you have an addiction to eating certain foods and you're destroying your body, then the same principles uh, apply. So I don't really see that as an argument uh, for for smoking. And other people sometimes argue that, you know, well, people like Spurgeon smoke cigars. And uh, I would say that, that uh, while Spurgeon, I, I really like Spurgeon uh, and his writings, uh, my example is Jesus Christ, not Charles Spurgeon. Uh, so I don't know that, that, that other believers smoking uh, is necessarily an argument for that. So hopefully that, uh, that uh, helps you out. Uh, with that subject matter there, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, great place to go. And and if God is uh, speaking to you uh, about smoking and, and you know, calling you to, to give that up, if you're asking the question, uh, I'm imagining that, that there's a reason uh, that you're asking the question. And, and the Bible tells us that, uh, that if, uh, uh, you know, if there's something that is sin to us, uh, that it's sin. It, it may not be sin to other people, uh, but if our conscience and the Holy Spirit is is working in our lives, such as uh, uh, to to cause us to to realize that that something's sin for us, uh, then it's sin. And and I suspect that the person asking this question uh, is is you know being prompted by the Holy Spirit perhaps to to give something up and to to go on to what is better. And sometimes in life things are a question of of you know bad, uh, good, better, and best. And and you want what's best in terms of your relationship with Jesus Christ and your relationship with the Lord. You don't want to just settle uh, for acceptable. Acceptable is the enemy of great, it's been said, and God God desires to do great things through your life. And, and that involves uh, setting yourself apart completely for Him as the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hey, we're out of time uh, for today. Calvary Live will be back tomorrow. Put this number in your phone, 303-690-3000. Give us a call. Appreciate all of our listeners in the Northeast uh, praying for you and the weather that's uh, upon you, all our folks in Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, and of course in Colorado and Wyoming Front Range. God bless you guys. Thanks for being with us and have a great night. It's been a pleasure to be with you on Calvary Live. Jason Vandeveer here with you. Take care. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.